This is Church Alive's teaching of the week. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. We are super excited to have a guest with us this morning. Uh, This guy has become a great friend, uh, just a wonderful pastor that I often call and just bad ideas off of. Uh, He's part of uh, the leadership team of our church's covering, which is the network of related pastors. And actually this weekend, he spent the weekend with our leadership, just really imparting into our lives. And uh, leadership, it was a good time, was it not? It was a good time. Uh, So everyone, I know I just told you to sit down, but come on, I need you to stand back up. And can you all give Pastor Mike Free from Milwaukee, Milwaukee, a big hand this morning. Thanks so much, Pastor. You can go ahead and have a seat. Um, I just want to say I'm deeply honored to be here today. And uh, I just want to really honor Pastor uh, Gene and Regina and the entire team here. Um, I get to travel to a number of churches around the country. And um, I'm telling you, these pastors are committed to you. They love you. And uh, they talk about you. and, And just they're in love with you. They are shepherds who love the sheep. Let's give Pastor Gene and Regina a wonderful hand. I also want to thank the intercessors, anybody who's been praying. uh, I will need all the prayers that I can get today. Um, I just want to say there is lakefront property in heaven waiting for you when you get there for all those that are praying and interceding. Um, I also just want to look right into that camera and say we are so glad to have our online uh, congregation with us this morning. Come on, Church Alive, let's, let's say welcome to them and all of our first time and returning guests. Uh, just to let you know that um, I'm, again, I'm not the regular pastor here, uh, so if you hate me, if you hate everything I'm gonna say, um, Next Sunday, I will be 872 miles away from you back up north, and Pastor Gene will be back in the pulpit. So um, I've handed out some notes. I I just like to do that to give you something to uh, take home, uh, just to steward what was said and and, uh, help you apply it. But uh, today, I'm going to be talking about growing out loud. And uh, it's kind of interesting. How many of us uh, in the congregation have raised children. Let's show hands. Okay, wow, all over the place. Hands down. How many of you are raising children right now, five or younger? Okay, all right, there they are. Yes, yes, I see that hand. Okay, you can put your hands down. You know, it's so funny. Children at those first five years, they go from helpless little babies that you can just carry around in a basket, right, to being toddlers who seemingly know everything that they don't want in life. Right? I mean, the first thing you say something, what's one of the first words they learn is what? No. I mean, they will just tell you right to your face. And it's interesting because we, we not only grow physically, and God's designed us that way, but he has also designed you and I to grow spiritually. And that's what I want to help us do today. And God wants us to grow out loud because you have a unique purpose And you are carrying something very special, which is the presence of Christ, if you're a believer today. And the world needs that. So I'd like you to take out your notes with me or open your Bibles to Psalm 32, verse 8. This is something the Lord wants to help us with. Uh, He says this, the psalmist says, The Lord says, 
I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. What a promise. He says, I will advise you and watch over you. Now we're quoting this scripture because we believe it. Just like for the offering, we believe those things and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we believe this is what God wants to do for us. God has a best pathway for your life. And I really believe that he has a preferred future for you and a preferred future for me and for my family. Now, is it, is it always easy? No. Sometimes the road is difficult, and Jesus said the way is narrow. There are times when it's going to be a challenge. And we see this in the Apostle John's life. John was one of Jesus' earliest disciples. He was probably a teenager when he began following Jesus. And in the book of Revelation, we have here, it's an account of something that the Apostle John saw. He actually had a vision of Jesus. He had been exiled to the island of Patmos by the Roman government. And in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, we read this. Jesus told John, he said, write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw on my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. So what, what John saw was a vision of Christ and it says he was standing in the midst of gold lampstands. And what I happen to believe is what John saw was a menorah, which is a Jewish candlestick, a seven-branch candlestick. And in the middle of that menorah is what's called the shamish candle. And in Hebrew, shamish means servant. And to this day, during Hanukkah, Jewish people take that servant candle and it lights all the others. And the menorah stood in the first and the second temple as well as the tabernacle in the wilderness. So I believe when John looks up and it says he saw Jesus standing in the midst of the gold candlestick, it means he was standing there as that servant main candle to serve all the others. And he says this, Jesus explains what John saw. He said the seven stars are the angels, or the word is messengers, or really pastors of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So Jesus is having John dictate a letter to seven pastors who pastor seven churches in Asia Minor. And each letter is very personal to the city that he's writing to. And every city had a distinctive trait about it. And the letter that I want to focus on is the letter to the church of the Laodiceans. Not because of your church, I'm not making that comparison. I'm just saying there's some principles that we can apply out of this. So what's interesting is the city of Laodicea was known because they had hot and cold springs. And people use these for bathing, they use these for healing, and they were very, very uh, well-known within, within the Roman Empire. And so Jesus' message to this particular 
um, pastor and particular church, again, not connected to Church Alive, but in Revelation chapter three, verse 15, it says this. Jesus says, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. So this resonated with those people. And Jesus said this, I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So Jesus was giving a warning to that pastor and to that particular congregation. Now, one of the things that came out during uh, our time together this weekend with um, Pastor Gene and Regina and, and some others was that I, I enjoy coffee. My dad was a World War II Navy vet. And so I would go out fishing with him from little on. And we would go out on Lake Michigan, which is basically, it's not like a pond or even, a, it's like an inland sea. I mean, I've been out on Lake Michigan in 15-foot swells. There are shipwrecks out there. But my dad and I, we would go out fishing, and the only thing he would bring was a thermos of black coffee. And so if I was thirsty, and I was about nine years old, the only thing that I had to got to drink was, this is all I got, black coffee, take it or leave it. So I took it, and I actually began to enjoy coffee, and so it's, it's just kind of a running joke uh, in, in our church. I'm kind of a coffee snob, but I'm willing to, I'll, I'll drink any coffee, really. And so coffee tastes good, hot, right? And coffee also tastes good cold. But in general, nobody likes a cup of coffee, a hot cup of coffee that's been sitting for four hours, right? It's just that lukewarm, just, ugh. And that's kind of what Jesus was getting at. He's like, no, don't, don't be like that. Be hot or cold. Be one or the other. And so really what I, I'm seeing in this is Jesus is giving us three conditions of the heart. And I'd like you to pull your notes out with me. And I'd like you to write some things down because God just might speak to you through this. And everyone within the sound of my voice and those that are watching and who will watch on demand, we are one of these three heart conditions. So this is the first thing I'd like you to write down. The first one is cold, and write this down. This means you are far from God. If you're cold, you are far from God. You know, we all start out in life this way. <laughs> We all start out far from God. And the good news is, if you're far from God and still far from God today, you don't have to be far from God any longer. God is reaching out with, with, with an embrace to say, you don't have to be on your own anymore. You don't have to be that person that always feels lonely. He said, I wanna be your friend. I want to embrace you. I want to pull you in tight. I want to teach you and I want to guide you and I want to reveal to you this preferred future that I have for you, this best pathway for your life. And you don't have to be cold any longer and you don't have to feel cold any longer. Can you say amen? amen. See, the good news is this. We don't have to live our lives 
or finish out our lives being cold in faith towards God, being cold in our relationship towards him. The apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter two, verse 13, he says this, but now, and he's speaking to believers, he said, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. I came to faith in Christ alone in my parents' living room watching somebody on TV sharing the gospel. And from that point on, at 13 years old, I began to pray for my dad. And for decades, I prayed and prayed and prayed. And about two years ago, somebody in the lobby of our church, we were talking about our parents and the fact that my dad had gone all through his life without knowing who Christ was. And I'd shared my faith faith with him. I'd written him letters, written both my parents' letters. I bought them a Bible. And um, he just wasn't interested at all. And then at the beginning of last year, in fact, it was right at this time, we were down in Gulfport, Mississippi at the National Conference And I got a call from a hospital in Arizona where my dad lived. My mom's been gone for about 15 years. And they said, your dad's been admitted here. He's not doing well. And um, he was very dehydrated when he came in. See, my dad's been living on his own. And he'd been doing great. In fact, he got his license renewed at age 94. And um, he told me he'd been, he had to take a, you know, a driver's test again and, a, and the whole deal. And he said, but Mike, I've been stopping by the DMV and I've been buying the ladies' pastries there. <laughs> so I'm like, Dad, I don't think you're going to sway a government agency with donuts. <laughs> and anyways, he took his test And he got his license renewed. (laughs) And I remember the last time I was down there, I had to follow him in my rental car. And I mean, he was driving right down the middle of the lane, no swerving, straight as an arrow. He always stayed current with everything. He had the latest computer. He had a television on his wall the size of the screen behind me, pretty much. I mean, it was just massive. And when he discovered that you could order things online through Amazon and have them delivered to your house, (laughs) he thought that was the greatest thing in life. (laughs) The last time I visited him, he had this appliance. And I said, Dad, what is this? He said, oh, it's it's a hot air fryer. I'm like, what are you doing with that? He said, well, I I do my French fries in there. That way they don't come out all soggy. You know, they're, they're really good. And he was self-sufficient, doing great. But then he got COVID and he developed some respiratory problems. And then his good neighbor, Bill, 
found him on the floor and took him into the hospital. I got the call. And so my sister and I, we flew down there. And it was pretty evident that he knew he wasn't going to be able to keep going on his own. So just for context, at this point now, this is last fall, he's 95. And we said, Dad, I know you've never wanted to do this again, but I think we're going to have to bring you back up north. And he said, I'm, I'm ready to come. And so we brought him back up north. And it was sitting with him in his hospital bed. I just got real and I said, Dad, none of us knows how long we have on this earth. And I want to make sure you know where you're going to be when it's your time to go. And he said, well, you know, Mike, I, I'm good. You know, I, I was raised in the Catholic Church. He said, I, I used to be an altar boy and, and uh, help the priest do the Mass in Latin. And I said, Dad, that, that's not what I'm talking about. Dad, I said, none of us is good enough to gain heaven. None of us. If, if, if any of us could be even, even halfway good enough, Jesus would have never had to come and pay the penalty for our sins in that cruel death on the cross. I said, Dad, we, we receive salvation as a gift of faith. We, we, just, we just receive it from him. There, we can't earn it and we don't deserve it. And he looked at me like that was the very first time he ever heard that. Now, I know he'd heard that before, but this time he really heard it. And I said, Dad, can I pray with you? <laughs> and he said, yes. I said, Dad, I want to pray with you to receive Christ. And I took my dad by the hand, and I'm telling you, my dad was, he was a man's man. Not a touchy-feely guy. And I took him by the hand and I said, Dad, let's, Let's pray this together. And I prayed with him. And when he opened his eyes, his eyes were kind of misty. And he said, thank you. Every week, I would be with him and I would read him the Bible. I figured, I got to get this guy discipled. He's, <laughs> I don't know how much time he has. Four months later, July 5th, he was gone. I saw him two days before that. My sister saw him on the 4th of July, July 5th. He was gone. The nurse said she walked in. He was having trouble breathing. She walked out to get some more linens, came back in, and he was gone. 96 years old. And so I know where my dad is today. He went all his life living apart from God, cold towards the things of Christ but he got in under the wire and I've always wondered what kind of life he could have lived had he received Christ at an earlier age you see the, the shed blood of Jesus closed the distance between where my dad was and heaven and Paul is saying this we can be close to him now. He goes on to say this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. He said, but, but God is so rich in mercy. 
He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, and I'm talking cold dead, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. You see, because Christ conquered death, he took the keys of death and hell away from the devil. He took them away from Satan. He disarmed principalities and powers on the cross, and we're no longer subject to them because now he's got the keys, not the devil. You see, only God can bring that which is cold and dead back to life again. And if you haven't experienced this yet, or if you're watching and you haven't experienced this yet, God can and will respond to you if you'll just simply reach out to him. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Here's the second heart condition that I want you to write down, which is lukewarm. And lukewarm means you are drifting. Go ahead and write that down. It means you're, you're drifting away from God. So you ask, you know, lukewarm's okay, right? I mean, it's halfway to hot? <laughs> no. Lukewarm is by far the most dangerous spiritual condition you can be in. Because you think you're okay when you're really not. I think I'm heading towards God, but I'm actually drifting slightly off course. And it's dangerous. In aviation, there's something called the one in 60 rule. For every one degree you are off course, you will end up being one mile off course for every 60 miles you travel. So to put it into perspective, if you're on a flight from New York to Tokyo, which is a 14-hour flight, and if your plane is just one degree off course from the beginning after flying 6,755 miles, you're going to end up 112 miles away from your destination. You're either going to end up in the Pacific Ocean or the Sea of Japan low on fuel. And that's not a good situation to be in. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard or we may drift away from it. You know, it's so easy to begin to slide backwards and distance ourselves from God and actually tune out his voice and tune out his word. And I've heard it. People say, well, I used to pray. You know, I used to talk to God, but now they only pray when they get in trouble. Or I used to attend a life group. I used to hang out with my friends. We used to talk about God all the time, but now life just got really full and really busy, and and I just stopped going. Or I used to be in church on Sundays. I used to be in the house of God, but my work shift changed, my family situation changed, and now, I don't know, I just, I don't get there anymore. And unfortunately, that's the drifting. That's, that's, it's like taking a log in a roaring 
hot fire out of a fireplace and setting it on the cold hearth. It's going to be hot and warm for a while, but then it's just going to start cooling off. And after a while, that flame is just going to go out. That's why this is so important. Gathering together, coming together, because we need one another. You know, and, and if you feel that, that you've in any way just been just drifting a little bit away from God, it's time to make a course correction. Can you say amen? amen. And get back to him. Here's the third thing that I want you to write down. This is being hot, and this is good. This means you are growing. You're growing in your faith, and your faith is growing stronger. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. He says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, and this is why. Because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. See, not only is your faith growing, but your love for one another is increasing. And growing faith, listen, growing faith doesn't mean you and I have it figured out. Doesn't mean we've got it all together. Even if it looks like it, we're all growing. It's all a process. Growing faith means we're growing and always learning. We're desiring truth. We're hungry for truth. We're hungry for the presence of God. And that means we're always being stretched. But that's okay because we're being conformed into the image of Christ. And that's not always fun. That's not always great and awesome. In fact, sometimes it's really not, a, not fun. <laughs> you know, we use the term being on fire for God. John Wesley said, light yourself on fire with passion and God will send men to watch you burn <laughs> because you'll be a light unto them. They'll warm themselves up around you. They'll see that you have a passion for who Jesus is and a passion for the things of God. Amen. Growing Christians are people that are finding their redemptive purpose in life and making a difference as they walk it out. It's an amazing thing. They're really set on things that matter, not only for today, but the things that are gonna matter 357 years from today. Because we're eternal. All of us will go into eternity one day. So the question then is, how do you know you're growing? How do you know you're growing out loud? Well, here's the first thing I want you to write down. It's knowing God wholeheartedly. Amen. You see, God, as I said earlier, God created each one of us to have a relationship with him. You see, he already had community, not the coffee. He already had, he already had community in heaven. You know, it takes three to have community. So he had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he also wants to include as many others as possible in that community. And there's a scripture that's often quoted. It's out of Jeremiah 29, 11. You may know this scripture. 
This is God again. He's saying, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Well, that's a nice thought. But how does that really happen? Well, if you continue reading in verse 13, he says this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. That's a promise he gives us. I will be found by you, says the Lord. God says, when you do this, I will do this. It is a promise. And God always keeps his promises. Listen, God's got a perfect track record of keeping his promises. And he's not going to blow it on you. He's not going to blow it on me. He's going to keep his perfect track record of always fulfilling his word. Can you say amen? Amen. And so his presence, when, when we wholeheartedly seek him, we will find him. And we will know him. Here's the second thing. You know you're growing out loud when, number two, you're connecting with others regularly. There's an encouragement from Paul towards community. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. He says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, there are some pastors out there, not... not your pastor here, but there are some pastors that use that verse to guilt people into getting into church. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord together. But when I was young, I was brought up in a denominational church and I was not glad when my parents said, let us go up to the house of the Lord together. I was mad when they said, come on, we're going to church. I was sad because I didn't want to go. I was the youngest of three kids. And in general, not always, but at least in our family, there was a lot more leniency towards me than the others. Anybody the youngest in here? Anybody else have that experience? Okay, yeah, all, okay, all over the room. I got away with stuff my older sisters never did. And so at the age of eight years old, I said to my, my mom, because my dad, he just never went, but my mom was trying, God bless her heart. At eight years old, I said, I'm not going to church anymore. And she's like, excuse me? I said, I'm not going to church anymore. She said, oh, Really? Why aren't you going to go to church anymore? I said, it's boring. I don't like it. They don't like kids at our church. And they didn't, really. They just shoved us in this little room. And the teacher there, this this elderly lady, she acted. She didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there. And so I said, I want to stay home and I want to build models. And she's like, fine. I mean, she she just given up. And so I didn't go to church. I didn't give up on God. Every night I prayed, you know, the now I lay me down to sleep. You know, I pray the Lord my soul. I prayed that prayer because I didn't, you know, I didn't want to die in my sleep. (laughs) 
I loved God, I just hated his people. <laughs> just being totally honest. I know that's weird for a pastor to say that. I just didn't like going. And so God knew he wasn't gonna get me at church. And so I started, I just noticed this TV show when I was 13 years old. And I came in every day during the summer from the beginning of summer all the way to August. And by August, I heard the gospel for the first time. And I knelt down in my parents' living room and I gave my life to Christ. And when I stood up, I knew I wasn't cold anymore. I felt all of, all of my sins forgiven. I had a peace in my heart. And God just supernaturally directed me to this little missions church right across the street where the pastor personally discipled me. And after, after a year, he said, Mike, do you know you have a call on your life? I said, well, I, I knew I, I love God, but I just, I don't know what all that looks like. He said, I'm gonna help prepare you for your call on your life. And so all through high school, I had two things. I had all my schoolwork, and then I had all my theological training. I had to learn Greek and Hebrew as a freshman in high school. It was terrible. But my pastor just said, no, I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you ready. And thank God for Pastor Howard and Arlene Wright. I can't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was, I'm sorry, I got off on a rabbit trail there. You see, when you grow up and church is a have to, you have to make the transition from it being a have to to a get to. And it may be a have to for you right now. Maybe your wife is pulling on you every single Sunday. Kids, maybe your mom and dad are pulling you here. Trust me, it's the right thing because they love you. You see, you were created to enjoy God and you and I were created to enjoy others and to experience this community with God. We were never meant to do life alone. You see, we're, we're designed to need others and, and function with other people around us. Life change happens in the context of relationships. It's that important. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can't be you without me. <laughs> Give him a fist bump. There, that seals it. <laughs> Here's the third thing. You're growing out loud when you are now sharing Christ effectively. Write that down. When you're sharing Christ effectively. Paul told the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's God working in your life. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, through you and through me. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to him and know him. You know, next to Christmas, Easter is, is gonna be the biggest day in our churches, right? Easter is on March 31st this year. Uh-oh, <laughs> that's like right around the corner, right? It's coming, you guys, it's coming. And Easter is the time, in general, when most people are gonna say, yeah, I'll come to church with you. 
They will. Invite your friends, your family, your coworkers. And sure, there's going to be a lot of people, you know, we, we call them CEOs up north, Christmas and Easter only people. <laughs> That's twice a year, you know. And I see it all the Easter bunnies, they come hopping in for Easter, you know, and they kind of check off the, yeah, I did church, okay. But I'm telling you, they're not out of reach of the love of Jesus Christ. They're not out of the reach of the gospel. They're not out of reach of Christ's big arms reaching out and pulling them in. And I've seen it over and over. People grudgingly go to church on Easter and then suddenly they're back the next week. And then they're back the next week. And of like three or four weeks and suddenly they're like, yes, I want to receive Christ. So please be praying. Please be reaching out. Please, you know, we, we can pack this place out. We can open doors and have chairs out in the lobby if we need to. Can you say amen? Yeah. I mean, I see that. Your pastors see that. Your, your lead team sees it. You need to see that too. You see, people need what you have. They've got to get what you got. That's not good English, but you understand. I know I'm the one that talks funny here. I am. I, I, anyways. And the most effective way to share Christ is really just to tell your story. You've all got a story, and God, God is writing your story. You know, the Lord, he, he loves a good story. He loves the ups and the downs, and, and God, lo- he just loves to ratchet up the tension in our lives. Because when he does that, and he breaks through, it's just, it's much more dramatic, right? <laughs> he just enjoys that. So, so if you're hanging on, and you're like, Lord, I don't know if I can make it, I don't know if I can make it, just hang on because something's gonna break through, and then you're gonna say, God, you did it again. You are incredibly awesome. Yeah, come on, let's give the Lord a thank you in advance of the breakthrough. Here's the fourth thing, and I want you to write this down. You're growing out loud when you're serving people passionately. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. That's why we have spiritual gifts. That's why we have abilities. Your gifts and abilities are part of your life story. I want to encourage you as you're connecting, as you're taking a next step in the church, Find out what your gifts and your abilities are. Find a place on the dream team where you can just be serving and enjoying it so that it's it's a get-to, not a have-to. And you can just say, you know what? I was made for this. I pulled into the parking lot and these guys are, I mean, you thought they were landing, you know, an A-10, you know, and I'm like, I knew exactly where to go. These guys were good. I, you know, I pulled right in. And I'm thinking, these guys are made for this. You know, children may be your thing. Worship may be your thing. Manning a camera. Listen, it's all important. Nothing, nothing is more important than anything else. You know, the, the person that is operating that camera is digitally connecting people to the gospel out in the world. 
and it's just as important as the sermon being preached from this pulpit today. The people that are watching our kids back there, and not just childcare, they are pouring themselves into these children, praying for them and leading them. So different than what I had growing up. It's so important. Everything, the person making coffee, that's important to some of us. <laughs> not all of us. The people that clean the facility. Thank God that we have a beautiful facility and it's clean and it smells good. You may not notice it, but to the people that do notice it, it's a big deal. It's all important. It's, it all is going together, the body working together to bring about a beautiful environment that God is pleased with and he inhabits so that this word can go not only to, to McGee, but, and not just to Maze, right? Maze, 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 sorry, Maze. But to, but to the regions beyond, you know what I'm saying? Come on, help me out, somebody. Come on. I love all the co-signers out there. You do it, Pastor. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't found your place on the Dream Team, we want to help you. We really want to help you. And, and if you're not sure, if you're kind of kicking the tires on Church Alive, you know, uh, and you've seen if this is your church, I just want to tell you, this is a safe place to plant the seed of your life and invest in others. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Come on. Finally here, you're growing out loud. Number five, write this down. When you're applying yourself daily. When you're applying yourself. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, teach us, and this is a prayer, it's a request to God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Because none of us knows how long our lives will be on this earth. Every breath that you and I breathe is a gift from God. Every breath. My dad had 96 years worth of breaths and grace from God. Two weeks ago, my brother-in-law, he called me on a Sunday night and his voice was wavering and I, and I said, Doug, are you okay? And he said, no, Mike, I'm not. He said, I just left the hospital and my niece just died. He said she was only 29 years old. And she's got a little seven-year-old son. And I said, Where, where's the dad? And he said, he's in prison. And I said, who's, who's going to raise her son? And he said, grandma and grandpa are going to raise him. And he said, would you come and help me? Help me do the funeral. They asked me to do it, and I don't know what I'm doing. And I said, Doug, I'm there. I'm, I'm, don't worry, I'm at your side. And I showed up, and this, this place was just packed out. She was in health care, and she loved people. And he said, 
I don't know where she was spiritually. I think she was in the Lutheran church. And um, I did that funeral. And I don't know where she is today. But none of us knows how long we have on this earth. There are no guarantees. Listen, we need to look at every day as being precious. And if you're a believer here today, don't make Christianity a Sunday thing. It needs to be an everyday thing. And this is the time we get to gather and walk our faith out together with one another. I want you to write this last thing down. Harvest is the result of everyday work. Being a believer is like being a farmer. And through life we plant seeds. Other times we get to water seeds that have been planted by others. Sometimes we get to see things come into fruition and grow. But every day, get close to God. Don't take any days for granted. Every day, look for ways to be light in a very dark world. To love other people well so that they know that they've come close to the God who lives inside of you. Get on the right side the compounding interest of well-spent time. I want to pray for you today to be able to do that. But I also want to pray with you. And so in about a minute, I want to pray for anybody here that has any uncertainty about where you're headed in life. In other words, you don't know that you know that you know that all of your sins are forgiven, past, present, future. You do not have a 100% assurance that if today was your last day, Christ would usher you into his presence into heaven. He wants you to know that. You can know that today. John said, these things are written so that you may know that you have eternal life. And you don't have to walk out these doors wondering. But you can know that for sure today. Or maybe 
at one point you knew you were close to God, but just life has been getting in the way and you've just been drifting, but you, you just need to get back to God. I want to pray for you. If you would, just everyone in this room, and if you're watching at home or whenever you're watching, just close your eyes together. Let's, let's bow our heads and our hearts before God. And if you're here today, you would say, Pastor Mike, would you please just include me in on that prayer? I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But I am going to ask you, just in a very real decision, to say, yes, include me in. If that's you, if you need to get back to God, or if you need to meet God for the very first time, if that's you, would you just raise up your hand so that I can see it? Just, that's it. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. All the way in back, yes. If you're at home, just raise your hand up. God sees it. Are there others here today? You need to get back to God. Yes. God bless you. you put your hands down. I'd like us just all to pray this prayer together. And I'd like you to just repeat after me. And if you mean it from your heart, God will hear it. And he will answer because he promised. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus. That's it. Say it out loud. Lord Jesus. I thank you today that you died for me. Wash away my sin. I repent. I turn away from it. And I turn to you. Come into my life and help me to follow you. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again and that you are alive today. Lord Jesus, embrace me today. I choose to follow you. Thank you for loving me. I receive all that you have. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, Church Alive. Just in, let's encourage those that just prayed that prayer.